What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode seven of Lobbing Scorchers. This is Ari Lillianwall. I got producer Noah here with me. Producer Noah, say what's up to the people. Man, it's a good day to be me because I was right. And also, it's a good day to be you. And it's also a good day to be both of us because we have an incredible guest coming it's, on today. It's a good day in general because that's it right there. We got our we got our first ever guest in Lobbing Scorchers history. So it's a monumental moment for us. It's about time. Um, we're going to have Mark Kastner from Sounder at Heart joining the show in just a minute here. You um, better get a Jimmy Fallon intro. What what it constitutes a Jimmy Fallon intro? I don't know, just like a late night intro where you sit him down and we have like some clapping sound effects oh, okay. or something. Yeah, you'll you'll have to edit that in. Okay, but we're we we're excited that. to have Mark here. Um, it's exciting to have a guest. It's something that uh, I'm planning on doing regularly here going forward. So perfect guy to to kick that off. Before we bring uh, Mark on to talk some uh, LAFC reaction and MLS, um, I'm going to preview this Orlando City SC game a little bit. Uh, like I mentioned. Lumen Field on Saturday, um, cross conference matchup, and uh, this is a huge game. And I'll tell you why. We've talked a lot about the table on this show, and uh, Seattle's still third place on it. Um, but that's rapidly become pretty meaningless. If you look at the West table right now, it's become a logjam. There's seven points, I think, separating second from seventh in the West. So that means if Seattle can't start stringing some dubs together. They're headed for a situation where they're dogfighting just to stay above the line, not competing for one of the top two seeds. Um, they've won two out of their last 11, so got to start stringing some dubs together. And this is a prime opportunity for a get-right game. If they can get three points here, uh, I think it would be a heck of a vibe enhancer. And this team needs that right now. I think just a vibe reset could go a long way. I can tell you a little bit about Orlando City. Orlando City's had a bit of an in inconsistent year. But they are playing well right now. They've won three of six with two draws in there. And they almost had the Philly Union in their last game in Orlando on Wednesday. They had the Philly Union 2-0 uh, and then gave up the lead and uh, had to settle for the draw because of a really insane goal from Jose Martinez. So that finished 2-2. Um, but they're in pretty good form right now is the point. Um, that said, anytime Seattle and Orlando play, the road team's at a big disadvantage. This is the longest trip just distance-wise in the league, except for when these uh, two teams played, and it's Vancouver, I think. But pure miles-wise, this is about as far as you have to travel for any road trip in the league. So for them, a draw is a good result. If they can make a trip this big and get out of here with a point, they're going to take that all day, I think. Um, as for what they're like on the field, they've got some talented players. I've been a little surprised, honestly, that Orlando City hasn't been more of a factor uh, since last year, given some of the signings they've made. Uh, the guys to know are Facundo, Facundo Torres is one. He's a U-22 signing they brought in last year. This is a guy that's got 13 caps for the Uruguay senior team, which is one of the more highly regarded national teams out there. Very talented guy. He's generated a lot of overseas interest. They're probably going to sell him on at some point. Five goals, three assists. He can hurt you. Martino Ojeda, that's the other big one. DP signing from Argentina. Good player. Four goals, six assists in about a thousand minutes this year. So this is a team that's got some juice in attack, at least on paper. They haven't really put it together consistently to be as dominant as I thought they could be when you just look at the roster. Um, but just talent-wise, these are definitely some upper-tier guys in MLS. 
Uh, at center forward, they're either going to run Ersan Kara, who was another big signing for them, and he had 11 goals last year, only four so far this year. It seems like he, in general, hasn't really broken out to the degree uh, that was expected for them and league-wide. Uh, and they've been giving Duncan McGuire, their super draft pick out of Creighton, a run. And I'm pretty high on Duncan McGuire. He led the nation in scoring, I believe, for D1 last year. And he's looking like a really good draft pick. He scored six goals already in 490 minutes. He scored more than Kara. So I would probably be just starting Duncan McGuire if I were them, honestly. It seems like that's kind of what they've been doing. And if they do, I would not I wouldn't look at that and be like, oh, a super draft pick at center forward. That's a that's a drop off. But that's it doesn't seem like a drop off. He's looking good. So they've got some juice in attack. Hasn't all come together for them, uh, but this is a dangerous team that's playing well. Um, on the Seattle side, they'll be without Raul Ruiz Diaz for this game. Uh, his father actually passed away sometime around the LAFC game. So condolences to Raul. And that's obviously a situation where he needs to take as much time as he needs away from the team. Game's fully secondary to that. Goes without saying. So... This is going to be a big A-Bear game. A-Bear's taken his fair share of heat this year. I think he's been a bit snake bit, but either way, a goal for A-Bear in this game would, would go a long way in what I was talking about with a vibes reset. Um, I'll be interested to see how much rotation there is with the fixture con- congestion. I'd imagine there will be some, but I think the main things to be looking for are if Albert Resnack stays at the 10 and how much run Nico gets on short rest and whether it's at right or center mid. But, yeah, it's going down. Lumen Field on Saturday. Um, Seattle needs a win, two wins in their last 11. So this is an important one. This is a get-right opportunity, and uh, they kind of got to get three points here. You know, before uh, before we get Mark in here, I'm just going to – rip off a little mini monologue on my takes on the game. And the first thing I'll say is fair play to LAFC. You know, we all had a good time when they choked in CCL famously. Uh, We all got our jokes and our memes out there. I know I did. Uh, So maybe that's a little bit of karma coming back, but, but I'll just say worth it. I regret nothing. I, I would send every meme again, but fair play to LAFC. They played this well. They're dealing with tough stretch, a lot of fixture congestion, a bad hangover. Uh, and they took a clean dub. Where's not there's nothing wonky or fluky about this dub. That's two in a row um, for them. Yeah, and two in a row for them after they dropped two in a row to the Houston Dynamo. So maybe not that hungover after all. Um, this game started out about as unideally as is possible in a soccer game for Seattle um, because they gave up a goal in the first minute. LA scored a goal and LAFC scored a goal in the literal first minute, and that was the only goal of the game. So that's not ideal. Um, when you're playing a soccer game in an ideal scenario, you're always going to want to make it past the first minute of the game before conceding. That That's just a cardinal rule of the game, making it through the first minute without conceding. Um, so that being said, in a situation where you do concede a goal in the first minute, it's not necessarily a death sentence. Uh, if you can stop the game from getting away from you, you can give yourself a chance at getting a result in the game, even if you concede in the first minute. You don't really see goals in the first minute that often. It's always kind of a novelty when that happens. It actually also happened to Atlanta United yesterday. They also got bammed on in the first minute. So it's kind of weird to see two of those in the same match day. Um, But 
on that play itself, you know, you really can't attribute a first minute goal to like game state or tactics. There was no game state. It was the first minute. Uh, LAFC get out in transition. Their guy lines the shot up. He's outside the box. Jackson Reagan's trying to block it. Takes a deflection right where Stefan Fry couldn't get to it. And that was it. Seattle could never equalize. So before we get Mark in here to talk about this more in depth, I'll just give my initial take, uh, which is that, yeah, I guess and when you're in a situation where you're dealt a bit of a bad break, bad break like that, it doesn't really change the calculation much. It just becomes about how you respond. And I thought the response for Seattle after the goal was actually okay. I thought the game pretty much looked like you'd hope it would for Seattle, um, aside,ing aside from conceding a goal in the first minute, which is an obvious and notable caveat. But uh, Rui Diaz had two good looks that could have been goals. Uh, there's the one from Leo Chu, um, who we got we got both sides of the Leo Chu experience in this game. Uh, there was one the one from Obed Vargas as well. But Seattle had the better of the play, I think, for the most of that first half. I, I think that's fair to say. But the second half just did not come close to playing out the way they needed it to. The That second half, they needed to be on top of LAFC, taking advantage of those tired legs, that hangover, and really pressing for that equalizer. And they never got really close to that. LAFC played it well. They had all the control over the game in the second half. They had the better chances, and they took the dub. Um, so that sets the stage. And with that, we are going to bring in our first ever guest on Lobbing Scorchers. Really excited about this. It's about time. It's about time that we started having guests on. We've got a good one teed up as our debut. We got Mark Kastner from Sounder at Heart, my good buddy. We've been friends for a long time. Sounder's content guru. He's always churning the takes and the narratives over at Sounder at Heart which is a hack website. I don't really read it. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. It's they a, made fun a, of the sub. It's a uh, it's a great website. Shout out Jeremiah O'Shawn. Uh, shout out Dave Clark. Um, but hopefully this is the first of many times we have Mark on because Mark knows ball. You're going to see whatever you think about his takes. Some of them are bad, but he knows ball. He puts a lot of thought into his takes about both the Sounders and Liverpool, actually. So great person to talk about all this. Uh, we're going to break down the game and then jump around MLS a little bit talk about some of the other results around the league. So without further ado, Mark Kastner, how's it going, buddy? Thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Although I thought we were going to be recording an NBA draft podcast. I wasn't. <laughs> uh, no, I was actually going to be uh, Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, I was hoping you could be the official core respondent. And, uh, uh, Man, we don't, have, we don't have time to get into all uh, my yeah. lore. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, Victor Wembanyama could be a really good center back. <laughs> or, or keeper. I, yeah, I was going to say, I'd probably put him at goalkeeper. but that's, I feel like he'd hurt himself that. jumping on the ground. All right. Um, Mark, let's talk about this game. Let's talk about this game. Uh, and the first question I had for you was just, what did you think of the lineup? Because one thing I didn't mention in that opener right there is I, I had the lineup a little off for this game uh, when we were riffing on it in the, in the last episode, I was saying I figured it would probably be RBW or Dylan Tevez at right mid. That was something that they've run previously. So I kind of just assumed that uh, Rus- Albert Rusnak would be back to the double pivot with JP, and then it would be one of those options at right mid. And that's not how they lined it up. It was Obed Varkas in the double pivot, Rusnak back at the 10, and Nico Ladero at right mid. And Sounder Hart actually called that. 
you guys had your lineup projection graphic out there, had that dead on. And I actually saw that graphic and I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even really think of Nico at right mid, but that actually, that actually makes sense. Uh, and the way it was basically running was uh, Rusnak and Nico were it, like, it was like double tens with Leo Chu on the left side. So Mark, what, what were your thoughts on that lineup? And what, what did you think of both the idea in principle and then how it ended up working in the game? Yeah, so I think uh, that's just probably the best lineup that could have played. You know, you get your best players on the field, kind of regardless of position, and you kind of hope it it works out. And um, for the most part, it did. Um, I don't think, like, the goal happens in the first minute because of a lineup situation um, or anything like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, like, you have you have 10 or 11 days off since the last the last time they played you know lafc is coming off short rest they've been playing a bunch and then you just kind of are like well okay we'll kind of put most of our good players as close to the goal as possible which you know just sounds like a very like base level take but uh you know they they wanted to get like lafc plays with really aggressive midfielders right that's just like their whole thing it's just like they have uh, L.A. Sanchez in their pivot, and then they just have super aggressive eight. So if you get kind of two guys in in on either side of Sanchez, you can cause a lot of problems, or theoretically. So I think, like, in, from, like, an attacking perspective, I thought it worked really well. I thought it was just, like, cool. That's, how, like, some, you know, some really, really great movements happened. And, and a thing that I always look for is is like patterns and repeatability and there was a bunch of like repeatable actions really good like ball movement things like that and i was really encouraged by that the one like the thing that like was really frustrating for me um even throughout the first half when the sounders were creating better chances they just weren't scoring is if you take if you move rusneck up a line and if you move ladero like out of the middle of the field, the press is just garbage. It's so bad. And even though LAFC was playing like I pro like the two guys that played midfield were their like third and fourth choice options in those positions. And then you have Bawanga coming off of like another weird thing where he was like on a plane like seven minutes before the game or something like that. You just like you, your your press cannot be bad against LAFC, and it just it was that was probably the most frustrating thing. So Rusnak just looked really uncomfortable in like his like out of possession or kind of like what maybe some of the nerds like myself would call like his rest defense was just really bad. Um, and I don't really even think that's like his fault. Um, he just doesn't play that position. He doesn't play in our press in that position, and. You mentioned that, like, that first minute goal in, like, 37 seconds or whatever doesn't happen because of, like, tactics. But LAFC just, like, completely takes Rusnak out of, like, just completely takes him out of position and passes right where Rusnak should have been. And then they're off yeah, to the races. So, good, good point. Um, and, you, yeah, you just kind of, like, you kind of caught for that in the first minute of the game. And you think, like, okay, they're going to get a chance and we're just going to save it and kind of you know, it's the first minute of the game. Nobody's like on it, but 
I just noticed like right away, it was just like, mm, that's even if they wouldn't have scored, I would have been like pretty annoyed about that. And then they did score and they won. So I'm even more annoyed. <laughs> so seeing Rusnak back as the number 10, these last two games, um, do you think that kind of foreshadows uh, a permanent or regular change in his role on this team and being moved up a line and closer to goal? Because that's something I've been thinking about for a while. I think, you know, dropping Rusnak back a line is not really what I expected when they signed him. And I think, you know, it worked out because they won CCL with that. So that's, you can't argue with that. But at the same time, you know, when I, one of the reasons I was so excited about the Rusnak signing um, when it happened was uh, how talented he is as an attacking player. You know, some people said I was overhyping that signing um, when it happened. Um, but, you know, I don't know where any sort of notion or idea came uh, that Albert Rusnak uh, isn't a good or a talented attacking player. Uh, this guy has multiple double digit assist seasons in MLS. Uh, he has multiple 10 and 10 seasons in MLS. And I understand that some of that is uh, because at Real Salt Lake, he was taking penalties and he was taking set pieces. But every time I would watch Real Salt Lake when he was on that team, when him and Krylock were together, they were a problem. So the whole idea of dropping him back a line, while it works and he's a talented and versatile enough player to do that, like I always kind of felt like they need to be moving him closer to goal and making use of of those attributes that he has more in attack. Um, so I don't know what what have you seen from him at the ten, and do you think it it makes sense to to have him there consistently going forward? Yeah, I think I mean he's clearly a very talented attacking player, and you know I thought against Charlotte he was just incredible in that position. Um. And, like, we're just going to kind of forever be dealing with this situation. I, I guess not forever, but for the rest of the season where um, the Sounders are going to have to play most of the season without Christian Roldan. Just that's how that's how the numbers are going to shake out. Um, like, they will play more of the season without Christian Roldan than they will with him. That's just kind of how it's going to end up working out. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, you put you try to put your best players in their best positions and you kind of hope it works out. Um, and I like, I'm just a little skeptical of like, does the, does him playing the 10 and then the, like moves Nico to this like inverted, like inverted short playing right winger. And they end up kind of like doing the same thing. Like what, what is that? do like what's the ideal situation there and how does that work out and i i'm i'm like skeptical that it is good i think you just have to play one or the other and if the other guy is a 34 year old player who doesn't have a contract for next season but is also the best player to ever play for the club like that's just a hard thing to do during the season and I think you just got to kind of like, we saw how good this team could be when they have, when Rusnak is playing deeper this season. Like we saw that this season. We saw how good they were for the first, let's say, 10 games of the season. And that, I, that team, the one that 
if they could get kind of back to that level or if they even can get to 70% of that level. I think you just got you do that this season and then if you want Rusnak to be the the guy the guy further forward, you you got to do that over an off season because like I, like I mentioned there's just there's just like a cascade of problems that happen and you just can't solve that when you're playing every 3 days basically. You just keep, like you do not have the time to make those tactical adjustments. I think. No, I don't think no, you do. No, like, I mean, like, I doubt they've grinded this kind of dual 10 setup in training very much at all. So it kind of seemed like they were learning it on the fly in this game. And I think I think it can work, but I, I do think it, it raises some questions about Nico's role and, like, you know, is he going to be starting at right mid like that every week? Um, and... You know, him out there, I know they, like you said, they were kind of trying to do the same thing, um, but I, 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 I agree with you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little skeptical of that. Um, we'll see if they run it more. I do think it can work if they drill it and, and they, get the, they get it down, but it didn't seem like it was, it was finely tuned in this game. Um, and I think, it, I think like it really kind of comes down to the type of striker that Raul Ruiz Diaz is. Like, there was a there was a situation. Uh, I want to say in like maybe the thirty fifth, around the thirty fifth minute or so, where um, uh, LAFC's uh, number two, the center back, I, spacing on his name, but he tries to play like kind of this arching ball out to their right back, Ryan Hollingshead, and Leo Chu intercepts it and they're kind of off to the races you know it's it's basically like three on three so leo chu picks up the ball brings it inside to russ snack and russ snack's head is up the entire time he's dribbling he dribbles and he ends up dribbling 50 yards up the field and that's incredibly impressive to have the control to be to literally not be able to look down at the ball and just to have your head like moving constantly and to move with pace up the field but his only two options were Leo Chu, who um, he has like one thing that he does. You know, he's he's a really wide player. He's very left footed and he comes in and he crosses. That's all he does. He's not going to come in uh, and like try to break the lines and, and score a goal that way, kind of like Jordan Morris does. And then the other player was Raul Ruiz Diaz, who either through rustiness or through kind of just like wanting to influence the game he wasn't going he wasn't making runs beyond the back line so you have this situation where rusnak has the ball has to slow down because he's getting closer to he's just getting closer to the penalty area so he's running out of space and that just allows lafc's numbers um to it it, it ended up in that jape uh jao paulo shot where he just kind of puts it over the um that shot he takes from outside the box, they end up recycling the ball and it comes around. And anyways, I think that this, if, if he's going to play this position, you need to just like give him runners. You play, you play Morris left, you play roll down right, because those are, those are two guys that can actually get in behind and actually create more space for him and Raul. Um, and I just don't, they can't do that until August. You know, and we're we're talking on June twenty second here, so it's it just feel it feels like a solution too early, I guess. Um, and then it also involves benching the captain, 
and that doesn't feel good either. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's a big decision. Um, what did you what did you make of this layout shoe game? I I, I thought it was uh, <laughs> it was multifaceted. You know, he he makes these great runs. He's so good at uh, getting out in space like that. Um, and the, the final product didn't just didn't seem like it was there in this game, but you know how much of that is attributable to him and how much of it is he didn't have the runners in the box. Um, he's having a pretty good season statistically, but his assist totals a little propped up by that crazy game in Kansas city. Um, what, what's your, what's your take on all that? Yeah. And, and like to kind of go in, go in line with like the title of the podcast, here's like my first scorcher for you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right on. He played as well against LAFC that as he did against Sporting Kansas City in the game that he had four assists. That's not a bad take. It's just it just like what happened with the ball. Yeah. You know, like and you can put that up to variance. Like he could have had two assists against LAFC in the first half if Raul didn't put the ball. Uh well if one if Raul was on frame with one of them and then another one he put it right at um right at the goalkeeper. And then there was obviously the other one that would have been an Obed assist, but um, he did like, I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for getting Leo Chu in a position that he, like he was a constant outlet all like for 60 minutes against LAFC. Now it's obviously not full strength LAFC. The Sounders aren't at full strength either, but it is, it's very one dimensional, but it's a thing that can work and it was working. And with a little bit of variance in kind of like, does the ball hit somebody's foot or not type of thing, he, he, he picks up a couple assists against LAFC. So I thought he played what I thought he played well. I still don't want him in like the ideal starting 11, but I thought he couldn't, he couldn't have done any more. I don't think. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you both think that there's potential for growth there? Because it is his what second, third season? Um, it is, but this is okay, this is the first season where he's actually gotten minutes. Like people were writing him yeah. off as a bust before there was any sample size of minutes to say it. And then this year he finally got a run and you look at it, he he's at one goal, seven assists. He's like up there fourth or fifth in the league in assists. Um, so I, I think that there is probably still room for growth there. And I don't know. It just, it just seems like I was saying in the, in the first couple years before he got to the team that I just wanted to see him get a run. And now he's gotten that run this year. And like, you're, you're seeing him get his numbers and you're seeing him do some good stuff out there. Yeah. And I think we've seen the growth happen this season, like during this season. Um, I just don't, I don't know what the whole like end game like. I just don't know what the Leo Chu plan is um, for the fe- like. Is he he kind like when he plays, he has to be the focal point, and he's also not good enough to be the focal point, at least not yet, because uh, he just is such like a one dimensional player, and there are plenty of players in this league that have been insanely good that are one dimensional. That's not a, that that shouldn't have a negative connotation to it, but, um, it just feels weird. It just feels so weird. Like it doesn't feel like there's much of a plan there. Like six weeks ago to use him, they had to put Jordan Morris on the right. And that's just like, was like, 
gouge my eyes out. That was so <laughs> painful. Yeah. Well, you know what it you know it feels like um you're describing kind of the skill set of a super sub, you know, a uh guy who's maybe a little more one dimensional but's got that pace and he can, you know, uh, attack you from wide areas and he's got a nice ball. Um, but the problem is, uh, you know, they spent all this money to bring him in as a U22 player. Um, so that's not really like how you want to be allocating super sub resources. But like with his skill set, like that wouldn't be a bad role for him if he's not in the ideal 11, but it just kind of doesn't line up with. Uh, the roster resources they allocated on it. And you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I just think those are two different conversations really. Um, you, you have to allow for that nuance with the way that MLS works. Um, I am sympathetic to the view that a better player could be on this team in his sort of roster position. I understand like, that hypothetical, I will sort of just sort of go, yeah, sure, you're probably right. However, he is here, so now what, you know? Um, and I just think, like, in terms of, like, maximizing potential this season, because um, that's all that, like, really matters, right? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't care about developing crazy superstars that go for 40 million dollars like what atlanta tries to do right like i want to see my favorite team win as many games as possible and lift trophies at the end of the year or sometimes at the beginning of the year and then the rest of the year sucks like last year (laughs) so i think like maximizing leo Chu's potential this year we're basically seeing it like this is the ceiling and seven assist like even take away force take away those four assists against Sporting Kansas City. He has the same number of assists as Nicholas Ladero. Yeah. Add those four assists and all of a sudden he has seven assists. And he's just looked like he's looked comfortable. And that's about all you can ask. Like you have a comfortable player. It's just the pieces around him. I'm just sort of like, what what's the what's the thing here? Like when it's him and Morris, him on the left wing and Morris at the nine. That's probably the best we've looked all year is that. But are you going to bench Raul Rui Diaz if he's healthy? But then on top of that, you don't, ha- you don't have to ask that question because Raul Rui Diaz is, hasn't been healthy. So you just play Raul Rui Diaz until he gets hurt, and then you got to go through this whole thing again. So Yeah, um, we'll move on from Leo Chu, but one thing I will say that is funny is that people, uh, people always do what you said where they're like, take away the four assists, like, I, why would you take away the four assists? Like, <laughs> I don't. You know, you, yeah, I, I see like, what you were saying. I just always thought that was a funny argument against him. Like, uh, yeah. So, like, if, if reality was completely different, things would be different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> if he hadn't gotten those four assists, yeah. But um, anyway, so you we you kind of hit on it a little bit, but a big talking point in this game was the absences that Seattle were dealing with. Both Broldon's gone at the on Gold Cup duty. Uh, so is Jordan Morris. Uh, and honestly, this was just so annoying because Christian had been out for over a month uh, leading up to the two months. Yeah. To the leading up to the Charlotte game. He just gets back. The offense looks back to normal cooking against Charlotte. And then he's just instantly gone again. So it's, it's just bad timing and unlucky, but it's also like, why the fuck is the 
gold cup six days after nations league, you know, like, so I don't know. I just figured I'd whine about that. Um, but it, and completely I, different rosters, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like the B team now. I'd, I'd never really expect Christian to decline a call up, but, uh, I'll tell you what, Mark, I don't really know how else to look at these last few weeks. Uh, other than it just feels like it's like Christian or Christian rolled on or bust for this team right now. I mean, if you think about it, like, the, the game that he ended up going in concussion protocol after was the St. Louis game, which they scored three goals. And at that point, they looked like one of the best teams in the league. Um, we all know what's happened in the few weeks uh, since then uh, when he hadn't been playing. He gets back for the Charlotte game. He scores a goal. The team scores three goals. And everything looks good again. Um, and it just seems like when Christian Roldan is playing, this team can, can mess with pretty much anybody. And when he doesn't, they can lose to pretty much anybody. Do you see that differently, or am I oversimplifying that? Is is Noah going to allow allow me to talk about numbers for a second? <laughs> this is not a stats podcast. Come on, of course. Am, am I am I going to get <laughs> muted if I start talking about? Dish yeah, the stats. I, contr- I control the mics yeah. here, guys. Come on, don't don't forget. Dish the stats. <laughs> so so I won't talk about expected goals. I won't talk about expected shot on target. Like I won't talk about anything about that. I'll just talk about. Goals. How's that sound? That's a good stat. That's a stat that yeah. everyone so should care about. In the about. 700 minutes that Christian Roldan has played this season, the Sounders have scored 17 goals. That's about a goal every 50 minutes. You look at the length of soccer games, you're about you're going to score about two goals every game that Christian Roldan is playing. Pretty good. You score two goals, you keep... The Sounders are good at keeping the other team from scoring, usually. Uh, so you score two goals, the other team only scores one or no goals. That's pretty good. Yeah. In the like about 1100 minutes that Christian Roldan hasn't played, the Sounders have only scored seven goals. That's about a goal every 160 minutes. Again, I don't want to do too much math because I don't want to hurt Noah's head or anything. <laughs> it's but that's hurting. about a goal every two games, which Ooh. is bad. Really? Not yeah. Really yeah. Wow. Um, and I like I hate like oversimplifications like this because it's like in like back in like 2018 or in 2019 there was this ridiculous stat that the sounders went like i think 26 they went 26 games unbeaten when harry shit played <laughs> wait <laughs> Legend. so yeah yeah it was crazy no, um, that's <laughs> i don't remember that, that. But, but that that's like a weird that's like a weird one but i think you can see very clearly that like this whole sort of thing that the Sounders are trying to do tactically, um, just it needs Christian Roldan playing, um, and it it is they they haven't scored more than one goal a game without Christian Roldan. Um, no, sorry, you you mentioned the St. Louis game that was a three zero, so um, that was wrong. Uh, I'll issue a correction at the end. But, uh, <laughs> but is anyone arguing yeah. against Christian Roldan? Because I don't see anyone no, ever. It's not saying that, uh, that he's not like the key to unlock. You know, it's not that people are arguing against it. It's just that I think people don't want to. You never want to think they don't that want your team. Answers. Yeah, they don't want to. You never want to think your team is like overly reliant on one player because it's frustrating to think about like. Oh, like you know, if this guy's hurt, like we just uh, we just can't play, or like oh, oh, like Christian rolled on, that just solves everything. But like, uh, if you just look at the reality of how this season has gone, 
I don't really see any other way to view it other than that. When Christian Roldan plays, team very, very good. Like, yeah. looks like a contender. When team, or when Christian Roldan doesn't play, team uh, very susceptible yeah. to getting beat. Doesn't team score bad. a lot of goals. Like, that's... Uh, now I'm now it's making sense to me. Yeah. Now it's making sense. I think, I think we've been... Yeah beating that horse there's actually a dead horse carcass in our podcast studio right now because like but you're right both of you that i can smell it from here yeah it's been proven it's pretty it's the, pr- stats, it's, it's the, the stats, stats that mark were just i dropping. test just like even i could see yeah. it folks come on it just sucks because this is two years in a row right like joe paulo got hurt in the ccl final last year and that was basically the reason why the sounders were bad for the rest of the season this is a little different because uh, theoretically, Christian Roldan can play again uh, unless he gets another concussion or worse, gets hurt for a long period of time. So it's like, it's like, OK, we just got to kind of like deal for a month and then the League's Cup happens and that's whatever that is. And then we've got two months of the regular season left to pick up as many points as possible and hopefully go on a run. That just, it just sucks that that's how simple this season is. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty it's pretty annoying, and it's just unfortunate that he had to leave the team again, right as uh, right not, right not as he was going back. Lot, right, he's no, probably not going to play a whole the national, lot. National uh, team guy, so. No, so it's just that's just all around unfortunate. But there's really not much to be done about that. I mean. You know, with that in mind, the way I see it, you know, like you know, like you said, I think right now it's all about just keeping your head above water uh, and trying to stay as close to that top spot in the West as you can for the home playoff games. But realistically, it seems like it's just like uh, do anything you can to stay in playoff positioning, and, uh, and then hope at the end of the season that you've got the full squad healthy, that Christian is healthy, and. If they can get to that point and just make sure they get into the playoffs and ideally get a home playoff game, but just get into the playoffs and you got Christian healthy at that point, like I think, I think a run in the playoffs is not like a crazy thing to think. It's just a matter of if they can stay afloat until they can get Christian back playing consistently and hopefully healthy in the playoffs. I mean, anybody see it differently? <laughs> no, I, I mean, like I just see a lot of similarities with 2019 in a weird way where like they started really strong. Um, you know, we, we were talking about like, Oh, is this the year they're going to finally like take the supporter shield seriously type of thing. And then they start like, they just start dropping like flies in June and July kind of classic sounder season, right? The summer just blows. And then they, they come back around, they get healthy, and then they just go on a run in the playoffs. Um, and this this team, the like, and this organization is just sort of built to win knockout tournaments. You know, they they made that League's Cup final and like Baby League's Cup a couple years ago. Um, they're uh, like they obviously won CCL last year. They've been to four finals since 2016. So it's just kind of like. I I'm really sort of sympathetic to I guess the like person that is frustrated about like oh so the regular season just doesn't matter and it's like yeah, yeah no. I mean last year was just weird and that's 
that can happen once every 13 years and that can just be weird. And then, you know, they might not end up finishing first, second or third in the West, but they're one of the three best teams in the West, if not the one of the best two teams in the West, because they've taken they've taken LFC LFC toe to toe twice already. Um, I certainly didn't leave this game thinking like Seattle, like, can't compete with LAFC or LAFC is yeah. like much better. Like it was, a, it was a relatively competitive game, especially in the first half. They were going at it. They were playing them straight up, and I thought it was actually a pretty good game in the first half. So, agreed on yeah, that front. I agree. If they keep losing to bad teams, I'll be more frustrated. But I think uh, that's about enough on the on the Sounders game. Uh, we broke down the L nice and good. Um, so I had a couple just things from around. MLS, uh, I wanted to run by you, Mark. See what you think of messy league soccer. Messy league soccer. Um, that it's all going to be messy questions, actually. Um, no, okay. I, I actually didn't. I don't know who he is. I didn't have a messy question. Um, no, okay. This this uh, this is kind of my take of the week. This is kind of my take of the week. And tell me what you think of this, okay? Real Real Salt Lake. Okay, they're looking like a problem. They're looking like a problem. 3-1 at St. Louis last night. And there's a couple notable things about this result. For one thing, they've been on a really hot run of form and they've been taking not just results on the road, but they've been taking dubs on the road. Um, about to pull it up. Their road record is now 5-3-2. and two. Um, and But the other thing about this game that I thought was interesting was Diego Luna had one goal and two assists. And Diego Luna is a really interesting prospect. He was started in the Quakes Academy, and then he actually came up with the uh, El Paso locomotive in the USL, which is not like a super common type of path for these, these young academy guys to take. Real Salt Lake signed him, and he was a star at the U-20 World Cup and hadn't gotten that much run with Real Salt Lake and had a goal and two assists uh, in this game and looked pretty dynamic. Like, looked like it could be a pretty big hit of a signing for them. All right, so that's one thing. He had, a, he had kind of a breakout game against St. Louis. And then they also just signed Chicho Arango. They just signed Chicho Arango. That's a pretty big signing. He was a really dominant goal scorer at times for LAFC. He was a huge part of why they were so dominant last year. I think that's a pretty high percentage move uh, in terms of, you know, how likely it is to work. I think that's pretty likely to work. And if you put a actual dynamic number nine on that team, they also had Crylock score two goals last night. Okay. And Crylock has been a good player in the league for a long time. He just wasn't healthy last year. And now he looks back like he's in form. So if Diego Luna is a hit, Crylock is back in form. I'm curious to see if they play Crylock and uh, Chicho Arango together. But either way, Chicho Arango in there, that's like a big boost for them. Like, I think Real Salt Lake might be cooking with something and they could they could be an issue in the Western Conference. I mean, what do you think about that take? Yeah, I mean, Pablo pa- Mascherani is still their head coach, right? Yeah, but, you know, now, he, now he's got some tools to, to work with. It's not like Moneyball like that. They have a roster. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, they're gonna be f- good. Yeah, they could they could finish third, third or ninth, right? They like 
they they've got good tools. I just think like he's the type of manager to get in the way of stuff. Like interesting. When he was with why is, why is that? What? Why is that? I he's not a good coach. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't Sorry. know about that. I don't know about that. I don't think he's a great coach, but like Pablo like his whole thing is that he can kind of get your team punching above your weight. That like that was the thing with the Rapids. And like the Rapids under Pablo, they uh made a run to the 2016 West Final uh and Seattle handled Seattle handled them relatively easily, but like they still made a playoff run. Uh, so, I mean, I see what you're saying. Like, I don't think he's like a needle movingly great coach in MLS, but I don't think he's, he's not like so bad that if you give him uh, the roster he has plus Chicho Arango, plus a potentially ascending star with Diego Luna and informed Crylock, I don't think he's going to screw that up. Yeah. I mean, I do. I think okay. he'll screw it up, but <laughs> you could be right. You could be right. He's Latin scorchers, like, folks. He, he is my least, like one of my least favorite managers in Major League Soccer history. I just think he's like so. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm just a dude, right? So it doesn't really matter what I think about him. But I I so like okay. For instance, RSL's cooking, right? There's there's no way to two ways about that they're playing really well they're scoring a lot of goals they just did a great signing he's probably gonna fit in really well because he knows the league and he hasn't been gone for very long colorado rapids are in last place in the west if you gave rsl robin frazier and you gave colorado pablo mascherani like rsl would do that trade 10 like 10 times out of 10 yeah that's a good take right? actually yeah and then like Colorado, you're. <laughs> they already had him once. <laughs> they don't want him again. And I just like Pablo Mascherani doesn't go to the last place team in the league and makes them better. Whereas, for whatever reason, Robin Frazier's coach team is in last place. And if they swapped positions, RSL would be even better. Yeah, uh, no, I think you're. I think you're right about that. But I, I don't know. I just don't think Pablo is so bad that he's gonna like tank tank the team if like the roster is a lot more important than the coach just in general i think so if yeah, their if their roster is is stacked up like i th- i think that uh whatever shortcomings pablo might have i don't think it's going to like sink him but I, that's what we're going to see i was just thinking about that take like seeing that st louis score and then watching the highlights like the the goal that diego luna scored was really nice um, and I was like, Ooh, that like, if that's a hit, that's pretty big for them. And then like Chicho is a big signing. Like it hasn't gotten talked about that much, but he, I mean, he's a really good number nine in MLS. So, um, they're cooking with gas a little bit. Um, I, the other, I think there was only one other result that I wanted to hit. Oh, uh, I mean, did you see that, uh, the Portland Timbers lost at home two one to the Chicago fire? Did you see that? I did, yeah, which was impressive because the fire invent crazy ways to either lose or draw games. Exactly, <laughs> I couldn't believe they hold, they actually held that lead. Kai Kamara uh, scored the game winner in the 83rd minute of that. He's at 144 all time. He's closing in on Landon Donovan for second behind Wando on the all time MLS goal scoring chart. Uh, and I was shocked that they didn't hold the lead. 
but yeah, that's, I mean, that's just a tough one for Portland to take at, at Providence. Um, <laughs> if anyone's feeling down about the Seattle L, maybe that'll make you feel better. Portland's actually below the playoff line right now. So I don't know. I mean, do you have a Portland take? Like what's, <laughs> what's going on with them? Right I don't now? think about them at all. You don't think about them at all. <laughs> Nor should Sorry, you. not to go all like mad madmen or anything. I didn't I didn't mean to like quote that word for word, but <laughs> No, I well I do think uh, uh Chicago is actually the story of, of that game because uh they they don't usually hold a lead, you know, like when the Chicago yeah. Fire have a one goal lead, they're given that right they back. They don't they don't want the lead. They'll they'll let you take it. Um they want they want that game equalized or maybe even with them down a goal. So uh, it was pretty surprising to see them pull that off. Um, I wanted to talk about just uh, the bangers. There's more bangers. Um, Jose Martinez of the Philadelphia Union last night. Everyone see that goal? His yeah. first career goal, right? Yeah. His first career goal in uh, Jim Curtin was joking around after the game. I was on his, on his post-match Zoom call. He said... That moves Jose to one for 286. And I think the actual stat was like, it's like one for um, for like 90 something. But uh, if you guys haven't seen the shot chart on that, it's really, really funny. All, every shot he's taken in his career, except for one, has been from outside the box. And he's missed every single one up until that goal, which was just such a crazy goal. The the bend he put on that, like I don't even know how he did that. Jim Curtin also said Roberto Carlos vibes. Uh it didn't have like that wicked of of movement, but it was it was really but wicked that movement. Was, yeah. It was the headline on MLSsoccer.com though. I mean, yeah, it definitely it most definitely was. Um and then Pablo Ruiz from Real Salt Lake uh in the last match day, he hit one from almost 70 yards out, which that was one of the craziest like goalkeeper off the line distance goals I've Tyler ever seen. Miller moment Tyler Miller moment but actually so first of all like people are trying to like detract from it by like saying oh like Tyler Miller is off his line or whatever first of all like Wayne Rooney apparently told Tyler Miller to like play like that and he even said like I know you might get bammed on at some point someone might catch you off the line but like we want to play like aggressive so I want you doing that anyway. So Tyler Miller was coached up to do that. And Real Salt Lake also scouted it up. Pablo said that they scouted that up and that's like kind of why they were looking for that. Uh, so it wasn't like out of nowhere, but either way, it's just been the continuation of uh, like the last two weeks have been some of the, it's been like the most highlight reel, crazy, like sports center type 10 type of goals that I've seen just concentrated in one two week span that I can remember. Um, so my question to you, Mark, is, uh, you know, like, is, is is MLS good now? Like, is is this, a, is this like a fluke thing? Or, like, do you think it's honestly, like, stuff like this is, like, uh, an indication of an increase in, in quality that we're seeing around the league? Uh, yeah, sure. I think so. I mean, I'm pretty bullish on our own little domestic league we got here. It's pretty silly but it's it's uh good um i've been been talking with some nerd friends across the pond on on that little island over there and that's always kind of my barometer like i just like ask them like hey what do you think about things and they keep telling me that 
they think MLS is is one of the more exciting leagues to watch. So I think like things are getting good, but I, like I don't know how much like stock to put in like bangers, right? Yeah, like, I don't either. Yeah, that's that's why I'm at, that's why I'm asking. I just <laughs> like I just think that they just like like Patrick Patrick Ioni scored like one of the craziest goals I have ever seen live, and then like. 18 months later, I was walking through West Seattle and like helped him move <laughs> because I saw that he was, it was when he got traded. To, I think he got traded to Chicago or something like that. Anyway, I don't need to get into that story, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if bangers are good or if they're bad. Cause like, like you take Martinez's goal, right? He just like shoots that and it's, it's pretty late in the game, right? It's like the 85th minute or something Oh, it was like stoppage that. time. It was stoppage time. Okay, I never, ever, ever, ever want to see anybody ever take that shot. I don't care. I don't care if it's literal Messi in that position. I don't want to see Messi take that shot because it's so low percentage, right? Yeah. But it goes in. So like Jim Curtin said, the whole sideline was going, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, but so I think they yeah. were thinking the same thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's indication of like overall quality. I I do think it's interesting that you said that the coach that I apparently hate more than God scout scouted that situation against DC. But uh, things like that are way more interesting because that means that teams have more resources. They have more analysts and they can like see things like that. Uh, Because I, I doubt like that just shows up in tape. Right. I think, I think you have like a data analyst or a video analyst being like, Oh, Tyler Miller actually has the highest starting position of any goalkeeper in the league, which is actually true. Um, and then you, and then you kind of go and you look at the video data and you, and you see like, Oh, if we pick up the ball in these positions, we can chip him. Um, so I think that is an indication that the, the overall quality is much higher than it used to be. Oh, interesting point. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, that was all I had for you, Mark. I think we can uh, wrap it right there. Thank you so much for coming on, my guy. Historic first guest in the history of Lobbing Scorchers. It was fun talking ball with you, fun talking Seattle Sounders, even though we had to break down an L, which was unfortunate. But we'll have you back at some point. Next time I have you back, uh, it'll be when we're breaking down a dub, okay? Uh, And we can have some fun with that. Um, But, you know, for... uh, we we appreciate you coming on as our first ever guest to break that down. Uh, and anything you want to shill, Mark? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where can people find you on social, and where can they find your uh, written content? Uh, pretty much on every social media thing. I am MKSTNR. Uh, it's just kind of like my name with no valves. Uh, valves. I said valves, which is funny. He's got um, sub brain. And yeah. I am like always doing some stuff on Sounder Heart, which I'm sure people that listen to this podcast are familiar with that already. Um, I will say, kind of keep your eyes peeled, and maybe we've got some exciting things happening soon. Liverpool stuff? You want to plug Ooh. your Liverpool stuff at all? Oh, sure. Yeah, the, to- uh, the Liverpool offside, which is another uh, kind of like sister site to um, Sounder Heart. I don't. I don't want to say what the parent company is because we're all mad at them. So. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Everyone, please boo them. Well, we're gonna call it a wrap for episode seven of Lob and Scorchers, right there. 
thank you so much to Mark Kastner for jumping on. Thank you to everyone out there that's been listening, downloading, subscribing, writing reviews, writing five stars. Until next time, we out. Peace. Yeah.